Thundergrunt Podcast Network. Curioso. A curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters. A collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. All right, so I just popped, get ready for it. Munkenstein. Mm-hmm. I don't know how carbonated it is. It doesn't look like it's very carbonated at all. This but is we're gonna we're gonna see this how what? it tastes. It looks like it's petulant. Um, <laughs> or just so, cranky. Right. Yeah, now it's only been in the in the bottle for about two weeks. Two so it, weeks. Two weeks. But it, so it might take a little bit longer. But we're gonna give it a shot and see what it tastes. Well, like. Well, this is uh, what six months in the making. Yeah, something like that. So. Let's give it a shot. Oh, smells like uh, Belgian. It's got a good flavor. Yeah, it's going to need a little more time, needs, I think. But to it is flat. Up. Yeah, it needs carbonation. Yeah. yeah, you you look like you had more bubbles than the rest of us. Have, yeah, there's a little bit in here, but it's not the the liquid is not carbonated. Yeah, there's no effervescence. No, it definitely has the flavor of a um, of a Belgian. I dig it. Do you dig it? Yeah, I dig it. The flavor is wonderful. Yeah, it's, it just needs carbonation. Uh, Yes. All right. So yes, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna keep on working on the carbonation, getting it carved up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only been in there for two weeks. Yeah. The yeast ne- might need to be roused a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeast. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. see what we'll see what happens. Rouse Stick up the in there. Hell out of them. This is good. Yeah. And again, this is the culmination of all ten Trappist. Every yeasts. single one. Yeah, <laughs> from all ten Trappist yep. beers, I propagated them all from the bottles and mm-hmm. and put them all together. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of really complex flavors that it I does. can't even. Yeah. I don't even know if I can explain. Uh, it it tastes like you've been drinking Trappist beer all day. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. and different kinds. Like there's there's not the very mild multi layer effects like you know West Flattering mm-hmm. or even the West Mall. But it has hints of like the Orval, the the Chimay. Like, there's a lot of different flavors in here. It's really a high percentage too. It's almost like a barley wine. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. really, really, you know. You could taste a little bit of like, like alcohol, the, a little bit of booziness. Yeah, yeah. The um, Gregorius. Yeah. This is very similar to the Gregorius. Mm-hmm. It's real heavy, it's, real yeah. It barley is. It's, wine-ish. It's, it's pretty robust. Yeah, and yeah. I mean. Let this age some more, and it'll be great. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna let make sure it carbs up. Like I said, this has only been in the bottle for two weeks, so right, right. and it just had a little bit of a little bit of fizz. Right. You know, not much at all. Cool. So hopefully we'll get a little bit more fizz in there, and it'll be even better. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! All right. So, but that's not why we're here. No, it's not why we're here. Uh, we are here because this episode is, I believe, the episode coming out right before what the Fourth of July. Yes. And the 4th of the July. 4th of the July? The 4th of the July <laughs> is barbecue season. Or at least here in the U.S. Right, right. I think uh, Korean barbecue is, happens all year. Well, I think barbecue happens all, all year, all the time. But I don't, I'm not meaning the actual, like, barbecue food. You're just saying the, the tis the season. I mean, like having a barbecue, oh, like okay. throwing yeah, a shrimp yeah. on the barbie, like having a barbecue, a <laughs> right. barbecue where you cook hot dogs and hamburgers. And I prefer, I like to cook a 
grilled veggies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You throw yeah. it all on the grill. You have a party. You drink some beers. That, I mean, the the party barbecue. Right. That well, sort of thing. You can't just eat a plain old wiener in a bun. Don't you put stuff on it? I do. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess you could. <laughs> I mean, but it's better to lubricate it with some condiments. Some what? <laughs> condiments. <laughs> Lubricate it? That's fine. Right. Yeah. You know, while we're discussing all this, we should probably mention the fact that we have a guest. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> right. So if you guys have listened to the the absent episode, uh-huh. you guys probably remember our friend Mike. Hi. And he is back <laughs> again to enjoy some condiments with us. Yes. Absolutely. Because what else goes with absinthe but condiments? That's right. <laughs> well, or is tonight, it condoms and mints? No, I not, no, I don't think so. No. I mean, no, no, absinthe, no, no. they, they kind of go hand in hand. Absinthe. Condoms <laughs> and mints. Yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah it does. I'm yeah. just saying. It's just I didn't natural any, progression. I didn't bring any mint-flavored condiments, condoms this time. Condiments <laughs> this time. Uh, but uh, I, I mean, I brought I brought a few different ones, mm-hmm. and some of the ones I have handmade because they don't exist anymore. So, okay. uh, and uh, I think Mike even brought a little a little stuff along well, too. This is this is something I, I bought my personal mustard mix, which I slapped together from various commercial mustards. But it's still like that's that, handmade. It's, yeah, that's that handmade. is handmade. Yeah. Yep. So okay, well let's start getting into condiments. Um, so basically. A condiment is, you know, I didn't even look up the definition. It's I mean, it's just anything that you... anything that you can season your food with. It's Yeah, it's, it's anything that you anything. put on top of anything else. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, there's so, an image. <laughs> it's, so um, <laughs> there's, there's this Facebook group called Pizza Book yes. that some friends of ours have, and we talked mm. about that during the pizza episode. But uh, I, I can't remember who it is in the actual group, but their definition is a pizza is when you have something on top of bread. Like if you put anything on top of anything else, then that's technically a pizza. Right, so right. you have a pizza inside of a box. Well, the pizza is on top of the box, so the box is technically also a pizza. And if you put <laughs> that box on work. the table, the table is technically a pizza too. Uh, that, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. But okay. It, it, I mean, it's a theory. It's a theory. Well, it, it's... Generally, to season food. Well, yeah, it's to so season. So you can't you say, can't put a condiment on your shoe. Well, I guess you could technically. Well, you could but definitely. It wouldn't be. That's not the purpose it was made for. Well, condiments are something you don't make a meal of. They're there to right jazz up your meal. Exactly. Exactly. Mike showing us up I again. Know. But it's a very <laughs> it's a very broad subject because you can consider salt a yeah. condiment. You can consider uh, curry paste, a condiment. But you can make curry, which is yeah. a sauce, like and, spaghetti. Uh, yeah. How many of us sit down and eat a, a bag of salt? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not a horse. I've been accused of doing that. Yeah, you know, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, no. it's. <laughs> but it's also, you know, so I, that, that's the thing, too, is I've seen some arguments exactly where does sauce end and condiment start. Or spice. Or, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. where, you know, where does that end and start? And I don't think, I think basically if you can put it on top of a hot dog or <laughs> a veggie dog, <laughs> that's where that I, is a condiment. That's your line? That is my line, you, yeah. Your, your base. If it goes on top of a hot dog, and regardless of whether or not it tastes good, uh-huh. if you can put gravy on a hot dog, then it's a condiment. 
If you can put another but hot dog on top of a no hot dog. No one puts gravy on a hot dog, so it's not a condiment. Uh, there probably are places that do that. Gravy on top of a hot dog? Yeah. That just sounds gross to me. I, had a, I once had a hot dog with poutine on it. Okay. With the fries and All everything? Right. With the fries and the cheese curds and the gravy. Wow. Okay. I digress. Stand corrected. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it can be. It can be a condiment. There you if, go. If, like, the fries and the gravy and the, cur- and the curds... Individually, would those be considered condiments? Like if but you just put French fries on a hot dog? I I think it's a bit of a stretch, to be honest. Right. I mean, if you put cheese curds on a hot dog. Cheese well, curds and gravy on a hot dog. I mean, I, I would consider the gravy a condiment at that point. But you wouldn't consider the cheese curds to be a condiment. Cheese Even curds, I, I would consider up. them like almost supplemental. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah okay. I think it's like, you went, you know, do you want cheese on that? You know, so like, you put you cheese want... on a sandwich, it's not necessarily a condiment. It's having cheese yeah, on your I mean, sandwich. Condiments, I mean, they generally, you know, are lacking in things like protein. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> minerals and minerals, vitamins. Minerals, vitamins, you know, <laughs> right. calories. But, but you know? what yeah. they make up for uh, as flavor. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Substance so. versus flavor. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so what uh, what condiments you guys want to start with? Let's spin the condiment wheel! <laughs> so, do you guys want to start off with, like, the great American condiment? Absolutely. Okay. Sure. So, let's talk a little bit about ketchup. Ketchup. Because I really think that ketchup pretty much ties, like, almost all of it together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, people put it on what? On eggs? On any kind of meat? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I've seen it on vegetables, like French fries and things like that. Um, You can supplement ketchup in a Bloody Mary mix Mm -hmm. if you don't have enough tomato juice. You can also, uh, I mean, a lot of people, it's a ketchup base for barbecue sauce. Mm -hmm. All you're doing is you're adding some cayenne and some other peppers and things like that to spice it up, and, you know, that's your barbecue sauce right there. One of my favorite meatloaf recipes is ketchup, mustard, brown sugar. You mix those together and you put that on top of your meatloaf. Mm. It's awesome. Yeah. So um, ketchup actually comes from uh, it comes from China is originally mm-hmm. where it came from, and it is it, I, I'm so good at pr- pronunciation. <laughs> it's key chup, and basically what it is is key is what fish, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, also there's a possibility that it might come from Vietnam as well, mm-hmm. but like that whole there's a lot of Asian kind of culture. Yeah. Yep. There's there was a, a lot between. Between Asian cultures before you know the Western world kind of broke into that. Years worth, yeah, yeah. So before we started trading with them, mm-hmm. so basically you had you know where you have uh, fish, you take the intestines, the stomach, and the bladder out of out of a yellow fish, shark, or mullet. You wash them, you mix them with a moderate amount of salt, and place them in a jar, and you basically just kind of let them incubate ferment. and ferment in the sun. They still do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, and the, you can see yards of just vast, big, giant jars full of fish sauce. And I've seen the same thing with, like, kimchi, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I guess technically would be a condiment as well, right? Yep. Yeah, half vegetable, half condiment. Well, like, the ancient Romans used something that they called fish's gravy, which was probably somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw, I did see something about that, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I forgot to pull it up. But yeah. yeah, I did see that as well. And they, you know, a lot of the time, I believe that they threw extra spices in it as well. Like oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. some of the, like, and what, this is a condiment that we'll get to later, but I believe they used some mustard in that uh, and some other things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but I mean, it's it, it was such like a versatile condiment. And basically what it comes down to is that 
it adds a lot of flavor to something bland. So you right. have that, that fish sauce, it's fermented. Basically what it's giving to your food is that, what is it, umame? Umame. Umame. Yeah, umame. So, umame. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the, the weird thing is, so it's, umami is what? They call it the fifth flavor, the fifth taste. Right. Yeah. Right? So you have salty, sweet, sour, uh, sour, sour, bitter. Umami. And umame, right? right. I got them all yeah. in one try. Good job. We, we, <laughs> the ghost did it all in one night. Modern fish sauce actually tastes very similar to soy sauce. Mm. Yeah, it's, a, um, it, I, I've had that before, hint, yeah. With a hint of, of fishiness. But not, not it's, yeah. people think fish sauce, ew, gross. Well, and then, you know, Worcestershire sauce. Yeah. Yeah, which is made from anchovies. Mm-hmm, exactly. And it's, I guess, probably pretty similar to the fish sauces that they mm-hmm. use. Yeah, I mean, um, Worcestershire, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Boston, there was, there's a, a place near, near Boston, and it's, it's, it's Worcestershire, and right. they call it Worcester. Worcester. Oh, yeah. Worcester. Yeah. It, yeah, it's just yeah. Worcester. Worcester. Uh, yeah. So. It's when you learn a little bit about how the English pronounce their place names, mm-hmm. and you know, like, what reads as Leicestershire is Leicestershire. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, a name that's uh, that w- we would read as Chalmondeley is Chumley. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like in New York, Houston Street is Houston. Yeah, Houston. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about is that umami flavor, right? Mm-hmm. So I I was kind of just searching, and I know this is kind of a, a little bit of a branch off, but I can't help but I just really got wrapped up in this and reading it. So umame, the, the, the flavor umame, the, the meatiness, the flavor, mm-hmm. you get it from meats and yeast and, and a whole bunch of other different mushrooms things. Mushrooms. Mushrooms. Yeah. Uh, also, it, you know, it, sometimes they call it like an earthiness or a meatiness. Mm-hmm. Um, so also, it, a lot of the time, you can create that flavor from fermenting, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. which is oh, why yeah. you get it from, you know, things like, uh, you know, why you get it in soy sauce, because that's basically fermented soybeans, yeah. right? Yep. Vinegars. Mm-hmm. Some vinegars have that. What it is, what umami is, it's basically MSG. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Right? So basically what it was is in 1908, over a bowl of seaweed soup, a Japanese scientist, Kitsune Akita, he was, at, he was wondering what gives this, uh, this Japanese soup, uh, daishi, its meaty dashi. flavor. Dashi. That's what I said. Because I'm, I'm good at pronunciation, Joe. I know. So, uh, so he was wondering what, you know, it's a fermented base made with boiled seaweed and dried fish. And he was wondering what it was. So basically, he, 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 took, the, he took all the ingredients and he tried to figure out what it was. And basically, he took the seaweed mm-hmm. and he actually found, he, he was able to crystallize that specific thing. And it was monosodium glutamate. Right. So it was... You know, he was able to crystallize it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, now there's been a big pushback because a lot of people were using the MSG and it's almost, it's sold almost like, looks like salt. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, during the 80s and 90s, that was a huge thing where uh, everyone was like, oh, no MSG, please. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because people were saying that it was called, uh, I think it was like Chinese, uh, Chinese food. 
headaches and things like that mm -hmm. because they said that that you know it can cause headaches and but it's very much like today's like no gluten craze that, exactly. that's going on exactly. right yeah there's like very few people who are actually really afflicted by gluten yeah it's, i think celiac disease celiacs or irritable bowel syndrome i mm -hmm. think and then the rest and then there's all these people like oh i don't do gluten it's like you know and it's like, no it's because you're just like trying to be trendy and think right. it's a dietary thing it, right and basically it's the same thing with msg it's like people who wear yoga pants but don't do yoga <laughs> I know don't judge type. joe oh <laughs> you don't know my yoga pants we're all um, looking at chris right now right <laughs> so uh basically yeah he he actually was able to crystallize this msg mm -hmm. and a lot of a lot of these sauces that we're going to discuss and talk about mm -hmm. that's basically what it has in it. Yeah. it you have like fermented material you mm -hmm. have you know what i mean different things that create that flavor create that umame that you might not get on just a regular hot dog. So you right. want to add that that flavor. Mm -hmm. Now, now the the newest kind of ketchup that we have, which really didn't come around until, you know, the, the 19th century. Is that the um, Heinz or the Hunt? Yeah, like basically Heinz, any 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 of that mm -hmm. kind of normal tomato ketchup. Right. Yep. Um, that, you know, it wasn't always tomato ketchup, way before that. And we're we're gonna get to that in a minute, but Tomato ketchup today, they throw a lot of salt in it, they throw a lot of sugar in it, and it's not mm. necessarily all that good for you. But no. if you use it sparingly, you know, as a condiment, yeah. okay, big deal. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's I a, mean, it's a condiment. It's You're a, not drinking it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a flavor enhancer. But some people do. I mean, oh, really, have you ever ketchup. seen somebody put yeah. a huge pile of ketchup when they're eating French fries and oh, things yeah. like and that? Oh, yeah, and they just drown the entire French I fry. I have a colleague who um, likes ketchup on his steak when he goes out. Oh, oh isn't that like a... That's a faux pas. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I just sit there and stare daggers at him. <laughs> Does he get it uh, cooked? What is it? Like burnt? Yeah. Well done. Uh, I think one time he asked, we were out um, for a, a work function and he asked for ketchup for his steak. And I think the waiter just wanted to like kill him right then and there. Well, it also <laughs> depends on the restaurant. Yeah. If you go into some more pedestrian restaurants, Mm -hmm. They yeah, have like, ketchup on the table. This was a nicer place, and he's like, "Yeah, I want ketchup." And they looked at him like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What? Where, where the actual yeah, chef knows? I don't think that, they would be very how to cook a steak. You yeah. Know? yeah, I don't think they would be very happy about that at like Ruth Chris Steakhouse or something like that. Right. You know what I mean? I think that's where we were. Really? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, before the nineteen or before the eighteen hundreds, before tomato ketchup uh, really came into play. The reason why they didn't have tomato ketchup, because ketchup or tomatoes are a part of the nightshade family, and a lot yes. of people think or thought... They were from the, from were, the devil. They were, they were deadly poison. Yeah. yeah. You know, and in fact, to counteract that, when people did start eating tomatoes, they started calling them love apples. Because mm, obviously ugh, they're kind apples. of... They're a little bit heart-shaped <laughs> anyway. Some of know? them can be, yeah. So And they're technically a fruit. Mm -hmm. But uh, let, me, I just, let me just lay this out here right now. When I was a child, I hated tomatoes. Mm -hmm. I absolutely hated them. And it really wasn't until I started dating my now wife where we actually, she was like, I want to have a tomato plant in the garden. And I was mm -hmm. like, ugh, okay, whatever. And every day I would come home and I would smell like the, what is it, the esters or whatever mm -hmm. that's coming out, like the, the, the fragrant essential oils that it, that it sets off. And I'm like, wow, yeah. that actually smells pretty good. And we made it in the garden and we cut it and I ate a piece of it and I was like, Holy crap! I actually like tomatoes now. Well, and plus you are older and your tastes yeah. change and things yeah. like that. I'm so. yeah, I'm still not a fan of tomatoes. Just to sit down and eat a raw tomato, I will every now and then. But mm -hmm. I mean, tomato products, tomato. I used to make my own tomato sauce, mm -hmm. um, and I would 
actually go to farmers markets and buy huge amounts of tomatoes and basil. And, and of course, it, it was fun making it, although it cost me a lot more than oh, it would yeah. to simply go to the store. So I had to stop. But it was great sauce. But yeah, I would keep like all this homemade tomato sauce in the freezer and like oh, and just hold on to it until and hold you on to, to it until something. I decided to do something with it. And sometimes mm. I'd be like, oh, I'm going over to this friend's par- place for a party. I need a gift. I'll take some tomato sauce. <laughs> nice, and nice. people loved getting a. Some frozen homemade tomato sauce. But that, yeah. yeah, that is an awesome gift. Yeah, because, you know my uh, my in laws every year for you know they they take and they make tomato sauce. They do the same exact thing and they give it away for Christmas presents. Oh, yeah. And you know what? The day after Christmas, spaghetti, spaghetti. every single day. The day after Christmas, we're we're spaghetti straight up pizza. making spaghetti. Yeah. So well, uh, so basically. Before tomato ketchup was around, sorry, mm. we got on. We keep on getting on tangents. <laughs> that's that's how we fine. Do. But that's, it's, it's that's how the curioso is. It's, mm-hmm. You know, flavor enhancers. Knowledge right. takes us down many different routes. So, thank uh, you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> original, uh, not original ketchup. I guess ketchup the second generation. Yeah, right? tomato. That's when the ketchup. Borg attacked them. I think. Yes. Um, so the new generation. The cutest of ketchup. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, so basically, what happened was, you know, you had the fish sauce, and then, and you still have things, you know, like you had discussed earlier, Worcestershire mm-hmm. or uh, Worcester sauce or whatever you want to call and it. And you all, you always had, at least through Middle Ages, you had gravies. Yep. Yeah. You had many different kinds of gravies, quote unquote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, because it could be. You know. I'm sorry, you're cracking me up. <laughs> they had so many gravies back then. They had gravy. You know, they had, you know. I was good gravy. Like gravy made of like chicken stock or, or beef oh, stock yeah. or vegetable stock. And you, you cook those down with a flour and make a roux and all that stuff. And they had a whole slew of gravy types. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, your typical French cookbook has eight gajillion recipes for section. different sauces. There's a section, you know? And, yeah, I mean, Julia Child, when she was first starting to put together, you know, she and her, her writing partners were putting together their, what would become Mastering the Art of French Cooking, which mm-hmm. made them a star. Their first idea was to do a multi-volume set, and the first volume was just going to be sauces. Because mm-hmm. there are enough sauces in French cuisine to fill a volume. Yeah. Don't mess with Julia Child. She's a goddess. <laughs> no, I, I love her, but I, I, yeah, I know. I know. So, like I was saying, let me try and get back to it. All right, just yeah, spit yeah, it yeah, out, sorry. okay? <laughs> a lot of the time, what they did before tomato ketchup was they made all kinds of ketchups with other things. Between right. the fish ketchups of, you know, old, okay? Right. But this is like, this China, is like, modern, <laughs> like modern barbecue sauce. Yeah. It made with so many different things nowadays. There's mm-hmm. a whole wall of just barbecue sauce. Yeah. Because it's technically barbecue sauce. Yeah. You're but saying, you can have hot barbecue sauce, sweet barbecue sauce. But mm-hmm. it can be made with you this know? or that or whatever, and there's no mm-hmm. real right or wrong way. So yeah. ketchup back in the day was like that? Yeah, well, they, they mm-hmm. made it with awesome. walnuts. They made it with fish. They made it with, you know, just whatever they happen to have at hand. And then eventually that's why they started making it with ketchup. But one of the things that they, they did, did a lot. with ketchup? Did I say ketchup? With tomatoes. <laughs> right. <laughs> one of the things that they did a lot was make a mushroom ketchup. Mm-hmm. Oh. And mushrooms, like we had talked about, has that umame right. that you would take and you would put all different kinds of spices in. Basically, you know, mostly whatever you had. Mm-hmm. You know, any any kind of stuff like uh, ginger, garlic, anything spicy, you know. What, Tons you know, of salt. Lots yeah. of salt. And today, I actually made a mushroom ketchup. Sweet. I spent I all day making it. it. So that's what's in uh, this flip-top Grolsch bottle, because <laughs> I, what, what better to put it in? So, so here we go. 
Let's give that a shot. It's kind of brown. It looks like beef stock. Yeah, yeah it does. It's, it is very... And it's um, it's rather watery, and so you didn't reduce this any. Well, no, I actually did. Oh, you uh, did? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So let me give you kind of a little bit of, of what you do. So basically, uh, you want to take and you mm. put a lot of salt on the mushrooms, and that expresses, it basically breaks your cell walls, lets all the water out. Yeah, it pulls all the moisture out. All the flavor, out. the moisture, the water out of it. Mm. Then you take it and you want to simmer it for 15 to 30 minutes. Okay. okay. But when you do that, you know, you put some salt, you put some, well, you already put the salt in it to, mm-hmm. to get, make the mushrooms, you know, lose all its water. Right. But then you, uh, then you start to put all kinds of spices in it. In this, I had fresh basil from the garden, had fresh uh, rosemary from the or garden. Or as Mike would say, basil. 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 <laughs> I had basil. fresh uh, rosemary from the garden, and then I threw in some cayenne pepper. I had some ginger. I threw that in. Mm-hmm. I had some garlic. I threw that in. And there might be a few other things that I don't even I don't even it's one remember of your that I threw recipes in. Where you yeah, just throw I, things I in. literally threw everything in from my garden that was flavorful, as well as from my cabinet. Nice. <laughs> so this has so much different stuff in it, and mostly you're going to get a lot of that mushroom flavor, a lot of that meaty umaminess. And it I don't know what you guys want to dip in it, but yeah, I mean, it smells really good. Yeah. Pass over a fork here. Yeah, let's uh, let's give it a try. So this is uh, yeah mushroom ketchup. And it's it's not it's not thick like normal ketchup is. It's very yeah yeah. yeah. You know, it's more like and, uh, oh, and I forgot it also has apple cider vinegar, just mm. very much like regular normal ketchup has that vinegar as a base, so it'll keep a little longer. Oh my word, hmm. that is. It reminds me a little bit of Worcestershire, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it does. Not you know, it's it, not the taste of it, but it's just you know, it reminds you of it. Right. I mean, you can put. Um, I don't know, a thickener in there, or maybe add a little bit of flour or something to thicken but it, if you wanted to. If you're you right, to. I could, but Or here's keep the reducing thing. and reducing to, to help brighten those and pull those flavors out more, even more. Yeah, but here's the thing, is this recipe, it is a thinner sauce. It, it's, yeah, no, 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 it's, just, that's, But it seems mm. like, you know, the, um, that old Italian adage where, where every family has a version of mm-hmm. sauce, yep. you know? Every single household has their own particular version, their own mm. way of making it, and they're all going to taste similar, but, but a little bit different because somebody throws in a little more of this. this or, yeah, exactly. It's this. like my between my wife and I, she likes her her sauce is a little spicy. Uh-huh. Her her you know like Italian you know marinara kind of sauces. Mm-hmm. She likes them a little bit more spicy. I like a spaghetti sauce that's a little more sweet. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just our personal preference. Yeah. Now, here's the cool thing. After you reduce those mushrooms down and you basically get them so they have no more anything left in them, okay? Right. No, more, no more water left in them. What you can do is you can take those mushrooms and, oh, I'm, you know, I keep on forgetting things that I put in it. Zest. I had lemon zest in there as well. Hmm. So you're, you're probably getting a little bit of that. The ginger, lemon zest, um, but you can take all those spices and, and all those all those uh, mushrooms, and then you bake them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when you bake them, uh, you basically bake them until they're kind of crispy. Okay. Then I took them, I put them in a mortar and pestle, I ground them up, and I came up with a byproduct of my mushroom ketchup that is actually a mushroom seasoning salt. Hmm. So grab like a little pinch of that and give that a try. It's smoky smelling. And there's no reason that it should be smoky smelling. You know what I mean? There, it's, no, no, no. It's, it's that it's umami, that earthy, I think. The earthiness. Right? You know? the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It smells yeah, it does woody. Smell kind of, yeah, woodsy. Oh, woodsy spread the word. Yeah, yeah I definitely think it's, yeah. 
And this is basically those mushrooms that are that have been dried and roasted, dried and ground up, and mm-hmm. a, you know after the the ketchup. And this is their leftovers. Yeah, I would totally yeah. put that on on a rub. You right? Know? Isn't that great? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I could see like that with like spaghetti sauce, soup. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Know, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's basically almost like a mushroom, like a mushroom bouillon that mm-hmm. I've made. Right. You know, it, and it, and a lot of the time, that's that's kind of what I think about when I when I when I was looking at some of these older ketchup recipes. Mm-hmm. They're almost like making like sort of like a bouillon from vegetables. Oh, yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Something like that. Yeah. So you have a lot of salt and stuff like that. So I'm I'm glad that you guys really like the yeah. uh, the, the mushroom ketchup. Yeah. Like good. I said, it's a little bit more like Worcestershire sauce. Mm-hmm. Or Worcester sauce, or whatever you guys want to call it. <laughs> That's good. Oh. I have a couple old um, ketchup recipes here. Um, this is an old cookbook. It's called the Mennonite Community Cookbook by Mary Emma Showalter. First published back in the 50s. My mom always had it. And I managed to get a copy of it. It's still in print. And it, really? Oh, it's got a lot of really great great cake and cookie recipes. So mm. if you want, want like a good cookie recipe, this is your book. But um, some of the other recipes, I don't know. But... Um, and the, these are like traditional recipes, like that these people gathered that their grandmothers used. Oh wow! So these are like old, passed down. Yeah, here's a tomato ketchup, which is calls for a half bushel of ripe tomatoes, two large onions, six peppers, red or green, one bunch of celery, four sticks of cinnamon, one tablespoon whole cloves, two tablespoons salt, two teaspoons celery seed. Two teaspoons ground mustard, one teaspoon paprika, two cups sugar, and three cups vinegar, and they just have it cooked down. It's never, boy, you know, it's never pureed or anything. So it actually sounds like it would be kind of like a fairly mild salsa. Yeah, kind of kind of chunky. Yeah. yeah, and then they have, of all things, corn ketchup. Hmm. Which see that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I, w- I made mushroom ketchup, which is a little bit you know, yeah. but right, well, you know you could make corn ketchup. A little bit like creamed corn, you know right. what I mean? Right, well, well, corn yeah. has that natural, like, it gives off this sort of, like, uh, I don't know, not, not slimy, but it, yeah. it becomes viscous after you, like, yeah. smash well, this it. Is, um, it. Yeah. yeah. Corn, um, two quarts corn, two quarts cabbage, and then two cups sugar, one quart vinegar, and then there's water, salt, pepper, mustard, and turmeric. Hmm. And that sounds more like, you know, what we would think of as a relish. Yeah. And then the third recipe is gooseberry ketchup. Ooh, gooseberries. Oh. Uh, I don't know gooseberries very well, but I mean, I know them from crawl. That's, that's <laughs> the only thing I know them from. And this is like four pounds of gooseberries, uh, two pounds sugar, one cup vinegar, one teaspoon salt, one tablespoon cinnamon, one tablespoon whole cloves, and one teaspoon pepper. Hmm. And that's just like cook until thick and pour into jars and seal. And wow. well, again with the with the any kind of berry, you get that um, what is that pectin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah. Where it kind of Gelatinous, yeah, back gels, yeah, yeah. But it's also like, you know, you're you're kind of thinking that that mixing, that whole sweet and sour thing with ketchup. That's what you're getting. And you've seen these in all these recipes. It's you know a good deal of sugar, maybe, Mm -hmm. but also a good deal of salt, vinegar, and and vinegar. vinegar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you have those those mixed. Hmm. So I think that that kind of runs through all of them, doesn't it? Is the the aspect of vinegar. The tomato ketchup is like two cups of sugar, three cups of vinegar. Right. You know, the corn ketchup is what? Um, two cups sugar, one quart vinegar. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, the corn is naturally sweet. It is. So, yeah. 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 Well, so, I mean, like you said, a lot of the time you do have that kind of 
Because vinegar is it's very it's good on its own, but a lot of people yeah. don't like the bite of it. Right. Well, and you it's know? shelf stable. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, and we've been making it for how many thousands of years? Yeah. Unless you get vinegar eels, which you know <laughs> right. what I mean. Right. It doesn't happen very often, mm-hmm. but it does. It's my. It's Dana's. <laughs> like she's terrified of vinegar eels. Mm-hmm. So, uh, since we're discussing vinegar, mm-hmm. let me bust out uh, this this little bottle that I have here. Uh, I made so. <laughs> I brewed a homebrew beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was supposed to be a cafe au lait stout, so like a coffee milk stout. <laughs> yes, I remember and that And I, I cocked it all up. I, I mean, it came out awful. As per suggested I, from yes. someone else. Yes, someone suggested I put in a certain amount of uh, lactose. lactose sugar into it, which is what makes a, a milk stout a milk stout. But you put in double the amount well, that you probably should have. Because that's what he suggested. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really put the cocking up all on you. On me? Yeah. Not all on you. You listen okay. to him. He, yeah. He suggested. I guess, and so I could have tasted it and whatever. But, right. But either way, the point is, is that I messed it up, and I really didn't know what to do with it once I brewed it and bottled it, and it was awful. So um, I decided to start taking and making beer vinegar. With so that, yeah. yeah. So basically, it's it's you, it's the same thing. Like you you have red wine vinegar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know any kind of vinegar that you have comes from an alcohol. Yes. So you take it. You have uh, Acetobacter, which is a type of bacteria that mm-hmm. eats alcohol mm-hmm. and uh, urinates out vinegar. Yeah. Basically, uh, you can get that in any kind of. You, you'll see like at, at you know any kind of like. Whole Foods or places like that, they'll have like Bragg's uh, apple cider vinegar, mm-hmm. and it'll still say the mother. Actually, any kind. That's yeah, just a, the right. very prominent kind that you find. Right. But it'll say with the mother. A lot of people use it for weight loss because it's a probiotic. Mm-hmm. So basically, you take and I mixed some beer into a growler, and I poured a little bit of the you know uh, the Acetobacter laden apple cider vinegar into it, mm-hmm. and it created beer vinegar. And right. a lot of like Bavarian food recipes and things like that call for beer vinegar. So hmm. uh, I'm, I want you guys to give this a try. So, yeah, this is homemade beer vinegar. You might even get notes of coffee in it because it, you know, it was made from a coffee milk stout. So it's really like a, like a coffee, kind of a sweet coffee vinegar almost, which it's, <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be weird, <laughs> I'm sure, but. It's not horrendously sour. It has a nice flavor to it, though. It's very, uh, like, malt vinegary. Yeah, well, it, 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 it had malts in it. Right. So it, you're going to have that very malt vinegar flavor. And, and you're going to have that extra sweetness because it has that lactose in it. Yeah. And this does not have the bite that you would normally expect from vinegar. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you only have, like, a 4% alcohol beer as compared to a... Um, a wine vinegar that would have like 12 to 14%. Oh, gotcha. So it's not it's not going to be as strong of a vinegar as you know what I mean? Mhm. Uh, as you know a, a red wine vinegar would be. So and you have some sweetness from the lactose, you might even have some coffee left over from the from it being a coffee beer. So basically what I wanted to do is I wanted to take lemons and make lemonade, you know? Yeah. yeah. So you did. That's, <laughs> that's Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I just need to find like the right recipe to use it in, or uh, you know what I mean, what it would really pair with. Like a, I don't know, a a salad dressing or something. Yeah, salad dressing. Uh, There are trendy restaurants that do what they call dessert vinegar, Mm -hmm. which is yeah. yeah, I mean, they'll just bring you out a spoonful of some kind of vinegar. 
mm-hmm. that is actually not doesn't have the bite. It's it's tart enough, but it's also sweet enough. And in just a spoonful of that, and it will cost you a pretty penny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not charging you guys at all. Mm-hmm. What was I thinking? You fool. <laughs> we pretty much passed up ketchup, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's been, there were tons of different... That's why it always says tomato ketchup. And because um, people sometimes wonder, why does it say tomato ketchup? Isn't all ketchup made from tomatoes? It wasn't always. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> always. And that's a, a throwback to when it wasn't. Yeah, and we've... Totally lost connection to that. Mm-hmm. I have a cookbook at home that um, uh, one of the modern joys of cooking that has a recipe for a red onion ketchup. Which oh wow! I want to make at some point. Yeah. That actually sounds really, really, really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. I. I mean, I. Well, I. I don't want to say it out loud. Why not? Because I like onions, Joe. I like onions. Are you gonna make fun onions of me are again? Fabulous. Yeah. Onions. No, jo- Joe makes fun of me for the way I say it. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so what do you guys want to get into next? Mayonnaise. Well, we could. Uh, you want to throw up? We need to talk about mayonnaise. Oh, God. Mayonnaise is important. And All I mean, right. I'm not a fan. I'm not a big fan of mayonnaise, commercial mayonnaise. Ugh. In fact, if I had been thinking, shoot, I should have done that, um, just whip up some homemade mayonnaise and bring it in. I've heard that it was, it's pretty easy to do. It is almost ridiculously easy to do with a, with a food processor. Really? If you have one. And it's, um, you dump in like a whole egg and a couple of egg yolks, and you can just freeze the whites because you do mm. that. Um, usually with a dash of mustard and some salt, you start the blades going, and then, you know, food processors, they have that little plunger thing yeah. with a hole in the bottom. Mm-hmm. You take like a cup of oil and you just pour it in that so that it pours out a little hole in a steady stream. Oh, okay. And it just forms, you know, the emulsion. Right. And um, then you usually, like, taste it and see how you like it. Um, If you want it firmer or looser, you know, what what kind of seasonings you want in it. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I hate commercial packaged mayonnaise. I think it's vile. Yeah, it's just, like, white lard. Yeah, but (laughs) just one time, just for the... Hell of it! Mm-hmm. I decided I was going to make homemade mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, <laughs> I could eat that stuff by the bucket. Nice. And it's one of those things where you can, you can go bonkers. And there's all these like variations on mayonnaise. Well, yeah. Then you, you get into like aiolis and stuff like that. Uh, where yeah, aioli. Different... It's like which is the you know the expression of the person who who smells your breath after you eat something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like well, the garlic mayonnaise. Yeah, mayonnaise base. Has, yeah, garlic with, in it, right? With more with added stuff in it. Green mayonnaise, which is mayonnaise with um, blanched parsley or spinach in it. Hmm. Um, I would imagine like a mayonnaise with some chives in it. Chives. Chives are a classic addition. Um, There's also pimento mayonnaise, where you dump in like canned pimento into Hmm. it that makes it pink. And that's popular with some things. But and I mean, if you get those fancy flavored vinegars or, you know, some of those flavored olive oils or things like that, you can put that in your mayonnaise and have all sorts of fun with it. Nice. And so it, it doesn't have to be like axle grease, white lard. No. In fact, it's stuff. making it at home in a food processor. I have found, I mean, I will say, I, you, you, you throw helmets at me, I will scream. <laughs> but if you give me a few minutes, I will whip up some mayonnaise mm. in my kitchen that will knock you flat. Hmm. And, uh, you know, Joe, maybe if mayonnaise isn't your thing, you should try baconese. 
<laughs> that sounds it's, even worse. It's just mayonnaise that they've put bacon, bacon in. into. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Blech. Can't you just. Yeah, make you know mayonnaise why? and put bacon on top. Do you know why, Joe? No. Because America. 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 <laughs> so I found a little bit of history. What I like about this article that I found, and this is going to be on the show notes, of course, uh, is what it starts off with, and it says mayonnaise. It's ketchup's dark twin. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it it's, it's lighter, I know, but okay. I just think it's funny okay. because... You know, that's, that's like the, the, what they start off with. So basically, uh, where they think mayonnaise came from. They think it was born in 1756 after French forces under the command of... Vive la France. <laughs> right. Of Duke de Richelieu. Here, you help me out with this. Mike. The miracle the, the Duke de Richelieu. Richelieu. Uh, laid siege to Port Mahone on the Mediterranean island of uh, Minorca. 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 Uh, and that's now a part of Spain. Uh, in the first European battle of the Seven Years' War, the Duke's chef, upon finding the island lacked the cream he needed for a righteous victory sauce. That's, I know, <laughs> a victory righteous. sauce. <laughs> a righteous victory sauce. I know, sauce. It's just, it makes me think of like Bill and Ted. Righteous victory sauce. It kind of makes me want to start another band and just call it victory sauce. No, it has to be righteous victory Right-th- sauce. Righteous victory sauce. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the chefs invented an egg and oil dressing dubbed mayonnaise for its place of birth. Another version claims that the chef learned the recipe from the island residents mm. and dubbed it mayonnaise. So, so basically, that's where people, a lot of people think it came from. Uh, you know, some people say that that creation tale is not correct, uh, that a French gastro- uh, gastronomy... Gastronome. Gastronome. There you go. Um, uh, he said that the Port Mahone was a myth and that he felt that the sauce was originally had been called Bayonnaise after Bayonne, a famous town in New Jersey uh, <laughs> <laughs> across Europe for its succulent, succulent hams. And then there's other advocates uh, of French authorship suggest that the name came from Menier, meaning to handle, or Moyer, an old French uh, word for yolk. Or the yolk of an egg. Okay. Not like a moil. No. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, they're, they're sure. still, they're, I mean, there they're are French recipes. They have no idea why, they, why they're called what they're called. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's like. Just kind of lost to history. Yeah. I mean, there's a um, omad à l'américain, which is lobster American style, although they can't figure out why it's called that because. Do they punch the lobster and make him drunk or something? It's like lobster and tomato sauce. And (laughs) yeah, and actually there's a, an argument that it's um, a corruption of Omad al Armorica, which, which means lobster from Armorica, which is an old province of France. Oh, gotcha. You know, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, who knows? knows? And then someone thought maybe it was America, not Armorica. And you know, there's so really like, Entomology is so just riddled with that kind of thing. Right. I mean, it's lousy with with so, like a mispronunciation. Not entomology. That's, that's etymology. Yeah, etymology. Yeah, is yeah. Entomology. Is entomology is, <laughs> is the buggy boos. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> go, I, ahead, go ahead. No, you're, you're, you're good. You're good. I've only had one beer for Christ's <laughs> sakes. You're fine. You were good. Well, that that first one was was a doozy. It's pretty at hard. 11%. Yeah. yeah. I almost did some so. research into like where names of dishes come from for something I was writing once upon a time. And it's like, you know, Chicken Divan was named after a restaurant where it was made. Huh. The Divan Parisienne in New York. And 
um, all that kind of stuff. So it was just, you know, like, it was kind of interesting finding out, you know, like where all this stuff comes from. Yeah, it, it seems to be a, an occurring, reoccurring theme. Yeah, where Eggs Benedict was invented by Mrs. Benedict. Right, right. It to a origin or inventor yeah. kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, she's like, oh, I'm tired of the menu. And, and the waiter's like, well, what do you suggest? It's like, well, why don't you take an English muffin and put some ham on it and a poached egg and put some hollandaise? And, right. And like, okay. And it worked out, so they called it. It was Mrs. Benedict, so they called it Eggs Benedict. So. Nice. <laughs> well, so I just want to mention also that we're probably not going to get to every single condiment uh, there in the are world. Well, we'll get to some that we have on the table, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's get, <laughs> let's get to some of those. So, uh, so so far we've gotten through the mushroom ketchup. We've uh-huh. gotten through some beer vinegar. Right. Uh, what else do we have left? We did mayonnaise. Now we do have uh, a, another classic condiment we haven't covered yet is mustard. Let's do mm. let's do mustard. Mutiled. Yeah, that is one of my favorite uh, condiments. I am a total hoe for mustard. I'm a mustard slut. Oh, I, I've got like at any it's given another time, good band name. I know. At any given time, TM. I have like twelve different kinds of mustard in my nice in my refrigerator because this is like I'll be going through the grocery store and I'll see like something I haven't tried before and I'm like, grab that, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and. I you know like three or four different kinds of Dijon because I like sampling what the different types of Dijon. Quite often, unless you're getting something really expensive, they're all the same. Yes. Relatively, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is, you know, good for shopping. But yeah, I mean, I've had a few of the um, like the the German style like yeah. beer mustards. Uh, I think one of my favorites is just whole grain mustard. Oh yeah, you know, just oh yeah, that always have some whole grain. Mm-hmm. Um, stone ground, I've had stone that. ground, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, Spicy mustard is, it's an herb. You know, it's been around. It's been used for thousands of years. Greeks and Romans used it, yeah. Yeah, and it's talked about in the Bible, the mustard seed, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, but it's like one of those classic condiments that, and, and you can you can do all sorts of fun stuff with it, and there's mustard sauces and mustard pickles and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always, I buy, you know, all the, all the different kinds of mustard I buy, I usually mix like a whole bunch of different ones together. <laughs> um, what I call Mike's mustard, my usual recipe is I take equal amounts of Dijon and spicy deli mustard, mm. um, about half as much um, whole grain, and then half of that of horseradish. Oh, nice. I yeah. do like a good horseradish mustard. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes... I don't want to overpower it. I just want to get a kick. Right. Yeah. But I, I know oh, Mike has all these fancy mustards into this mustard that he brought, but sometimes... Sometimes mm. you just need plain yellow redneck mustard. <laughs> redneck you know? mustard? Yeah. <laughs> the hell with that. That goes nowhere near. <laughs> See, I call that like school mustard. Yeah, just plain you know? yellow redneck mustard. Every once in a while, Put that you on just your need wiener. a little bit. Put that on your wiener. I, I mean, how much are you going to pay me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're hot, dog. <laughs> so, um... While we're uh, divvying out Mike's mustard, mm-hmm. I just wanted to give... Uh, I, I, I've listened recently to... Uh, this uh, a couple of podcasts where they talk about this woman who is the first and only mustard sommelier. What? Yes. So really? apparently she has such a wonderful palate that she is the first mustard sommelier. Wine much like sommelier. a wine sommelier or, or a cognac sommelier. sommelier. Mm-hmm. Does she know where the mustard seeds came from? Regional? Well, she um she is uh with a mustard called Malier, M-A-L-I-E-R. 
I'm sorry, M-A-I-L-L-E. She started working with them. I'm sorry, I'm trying to find her name. I can't seem to locate it off the top. Yeah, that's really good, man. Yeah, I mean, I just it's just something I, I, I just started improvising one day, and mm-hmm. it's just like, oh my god, this is so good. <laughs> that's sometimes you just need to play it's around like, in the in the kitchen to find well, out. Yeah, it's like you have all your jars of mustard are like half quarter full, and you're just like, damn, and you just start mixing them all together. Mm-hmm. Woo. <laughs> has that, definitely has that kick from the yeah, but it's from not, the it's not it's like great. overpowering though. Yeah, I mean that's something that stands up well to corned beef and things like that. So oh yeah, that, that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of like if you ever go to like an old German style restaurant, you have your your uh, sauerkraut and your oh, yeah. sausage, and, and it comes like the juices mingle around with oh, your yeah. mustard. That's what it, it reminds me of. That <laughs> like. A German plate. And I, I'm, I'm my, my mother's side of the family is very, very German, so um, maybe nice. there's some genetic, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> things going on. The, the flavor profile. Yes, this is one of one cousin by marriage said, "Oh, at Thanksgiving, said, oh look, pickles and sauerkraut. Yeah, this is a German family." <laughs> <laughs> so the mustard sommelier, her name is Pietre Hunter, and she started in uh, working at Malay in London and Paris. Basically, she started working with all these um, mustard companies mm-hmm. to get their flavors correct, to make sure that everything was... I mean, because she just has this amazing palette specifically for mustard. And I don't know if she can figure out specifically where the region comes from. I just asked. But she, yeah. she knows, like, the most amount about, you know, the different flavors and how they mesh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because she's just done the, the, the research and all the tasting and gone around the world tasting mustards in different places. Hmm. Mike, this, a, is, this is amazing, by the way. Yeah, it's <laughs> really, really, really good. good. My really favorite is the, I'm sorry, when the mustard seeds are in there, mm-hmm. pop, and you pop. crunch them and they pop <laughs> in your mouth. Yeah, it's You know, nice. like... Uh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are my favorite. Well, and horseradish is a classic American oh, yeah. condiment, too. I mean, that's like, the, you know, they found growing wild, and they could just, you mm-hmm. know, grate and throw on anything, so... It's in the same family as uh, uh, wasabi. Yeah. So... Yeah, the just, Asian cultures are not wrong. I always have to have a jar of this in the fridge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Do you remember the uh, English mustard from Burn Supper? Yes. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. It was like spicy. It was very spicy. Yellow oh. deli mustard. Oh, yeah. Well, that um, I remember once trying um, Coleman's mustard, which you can get in a powder. Mm, yeah. In the little yellow tin. And they have instructions for um, making mustard with it where you just mix it with water, mm-hmm. like equal amounts of powder and water. And um, I did that once, and oh my God, that <laughs> clears your sinuses. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I think that's, it tasted like, uh, back where I grew up, I, the local Chinese restaurants up, up in Hagerstown, you know, they would serve the mustard with the, the egg rolls. Right. And... It was the same thing. I think they just use Coleman's and water because <laughs> right. that is, is sharp, spicy mustard when you make it. Something I tried recently um, after reading something about it was um, Mustardshire. Mustardshire? Where you take mustard powder and mix it into Worcestershire. Weird. Well, that sounds like it would be good. In I, fact, I'm going to put a little bit of the mushroom ketchup along with your, your, your <laughs> mustard on here on uh, a piece of this corn dog that I have and see what happens. Wouldn't it be a uh, foreign dog? Faux dog? Mm. 
That was really good. Nice. And I tried it with some I, with some leftover Coleman's and some Worcestershire head, and and it was too sharp for me. Really, really too sharp. Um, I want to try like get a, a more generic mustard powder and try it. Mm-hmm. I there was you know I could see where they were coming from. Yeah, I don't th- but at least with the Coleman's powder, Coleman's is very, 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 very sharp. Yeah. So um, doing too much of that at one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of condiments, wasabi. Come on. Wasabi, they, have, they have a wasabi yeah. eating contest every year okay. in Japan. So here's my problem. Which is ridiculous. I don't think. Well, let's, let's mention this, too. So you get wasabi with sushi, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's extremely sharp. And I can tell you. My very first story about when I ate wasabi was uh, I, I, I had gotten some, I don't know, some sushi with my father at one of the markets in the city. And I dipped it into the, the soy sauce, mm-hmm. okay, which I don't think I ever had like kikoman at that point. I had mm-hmm. that crappy soy sauce that comes in packets mm. that is nowhere, does not have any umami in it at all. All it right. is is just like salt and water. And, uh, you know, the... The, the gentleman, the, the sushi chef, told me, you know, this is how you do it. You put the wasabi in there. You mix it up. I dipped it in, and I got a huge chunk at the bottom of my piece of sushi. Mm-hmm. I put it in my mouth, and just tears come down, came mm-hmm. down my face. Uh, so, I mean, just it was it, – but, I mean, it tasted amazing, but it was frightful for me. Right. <laughs> but, you know, come to find out, most of the time, what they say is – here in the the states, you cannot get actual wasabi, or at least it's very hard to do mm. so. So really, it's, it's a powder. Just, they add water, or it comes in a. Like, but don't they mix it with our horseradish? A lot of the time, they do that with green depends, food coloring. It depends on the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, it is a powder or a paste that is just a combination of food coloring, um, our horseradish. And sometimes wasabi. Fresh yeah. wasabi is it, it's like a like a, a hand of ginger, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, it's, it's ground on a shark skin plate. Yeah, it's just like shark a, skin mm-hmm. stretched over this like little round, and they grind it. That's on how that. they grind it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's super intense. Uh, it's just like fresh ground horseradish. See, I would love to try that one time, actual, mm-hmm. because I heard that there's flavors in that that you don't get from the the, no, you the don't. kind of fake stuff that we have mm-hmm. here in the states. I'd like to actually try real wasabi one mm-hmm. time. You know, it's a great condiment. All right, so uh, we've covered what ketchup, mayo, mm-hmm. mustard, uh, the mustard sommelier that I I just I've, I heard about that a long time ago, and I thought that was very interesting that somebody actually knows exactly what to pair with what mustard. You know, that's just really cool to me. So, uh, but, uh, you know, we don't want to go too far into hot sauces, mm-hmm. okay? Because we plan on doing an entire hot sauce, maybe capsaicin episode at some point. Right. So, but I do want to mention one of my favorite, and I think... One of hipsters' favorites uh, condiments everywhere. Because T-shirts tell them to. Well, I eat it because I like it. <laughs> I liked it for anybody else, Joe. Sure. <laughs> sure. Because hipsters told him to. <laughs> right. But I, I, sriracha, right? Yeah. So sriracha. let's let's talk a little bit about sriracha. Yeah. Before hipsters were doing it, I was going to Asian markets ever since I was probably eighteen, nineteen, uh, buying things like Mayplow and fish sauce, and things like sriracha, when it was only found in, like, international markets or Asian markets. Yep. 
Not my style. <laughs> it's a bit, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I'll go with either Cholula, if I want a little spice and a lot of flavor, Sriracha for the heat. Yeah, I'm not a big heat person. So. Uh, gotcha. <clears throat> but you know, I really like it. I'll, I'll just make some ramen. Mm-hmm. And I'll put a little bit of soy. You know, I, I won't even use the the MSG packet. I throw <laughs> right. I throw a little bit of soy sauce and a little bit of sriracha on it, and that's mm-hmm. how I eat it. You know, so the guy's name is David Chan. He he's the uh, CEO, and uh, basically came over in like the 1980s, and basically there was a lacking of any kind of hot sauce that he was you know able to taste when when. He, when you know he got here, so mm. um, uh, for, I'm sorry, he he came from uh, Vietnam. So uh, Tran found it co- nearly impossible to find any kind of spicy additive worth his palate. So what he decided to do is uh, he he made it just outside of Los Angeles, and basically what he did was he took your normal jalapenos and then he made hi- sriracha out of that instead of using the the native Vietnamese. Yeah. You know spices, of course. So yeah. t- you know, basically, that's what you do when you move to another country. You you bend their resources to your ways. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. So yeah, he took like traditional recipes. He found ingredients that are around here, and that's kind of like you know when I did the mushroom ketchup. Yeah. I went out to my garden. What I had growing out there is what I used in it. Oh yeah. I was like you know, and next year it'll probably be a different flavor because I might have a different herb out there. Yeah, of course. So, uh, so basically, you know, he he decided to make this hot sauce, and it, you know, he what what's really cool about it is he's not like a profit-driven kind of guy. It's not. It has nothing to do with the profit. He just wants to make sure that everybody that wants his hot sauce, he gets it out to. If you notice, sriracha is not very expensive. You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it is because it's really moving up to the point where, you know, P.F. Chang's is using it. Almost any single Chinese food restaurant that you go to, you can find sriracha there. Right. Well, you know? and there was also a bit of a, um, a thing uh, end of last year. It was a debacle in 2014. A debacle, yes. Yeah. Well, what happened was is that the, the, the city that the, the hot sauce factory is in. It's like California, right? It, yeah, it's actually just outside of Los Angeles. It's called uh, Irwindale. Mm-hmm. They're just outside of LA, and they took legal action last October to close the Hoi Fung food facility, saying that the company should be forced to improve their odor filtering measures. Yeah, yeah, so basically what was happening was, you remember when we were talking about mustard gas? Mm-hmm. And that's basically what was happening to the people in the town. Their eyes were right. burning. You know, they, they could not get that capsaicin to stop kind of going into the air. Right. So they had to basically beef up their filters. And, you know, the company felt really bad about it. They didn't mm-hmm. want that to, to do that. They just, you know, they needed a little bit of time. They, they closed them down for a little while. They stopped mm-hmm. the processing. Uh, but they beefed up their air filtration system so that the town wasn't, you know, Burning their eyeballs <laughs> they out, you know what I mean? It's like, day. you ever cut up, you know, jalapenos and they go mm-hmm. pee? It was the same thing, or rub your eyes. But that's not the same thing. I mean, <laughs> rub your eyes the and then pee. The whole town wasn't grabbing their wieners and going, ah! You don't know that. You well, weren't there, they, Joe. Yeah. You were this not is, this there. Is this is true. But <laughs> no, I, saw, was, I saw a video on the internet. Yeah, they were, <laughs> they were doing that? No, this was, this was airborne. This oh, I wasn't. think I, there was something else I saw. Never mind. Yeah, so <laughs> it was it was basically burning their nose, you know, right, burning their right. eyes, and it was you know it, it just they. Well, I mean, they are using volatile chemicals. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I mean, they are. It, it's the it's basically 
the filtration system, you know, that pumps the air out when they mm-hmm. when they grind up these hot peppers was pushing capsaicin into the air. Volatile That's chemicals. That's all it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's naturally volatile chemicals. Like, yeah. That's why peppers have those chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. It's to get Defense. things to not eat them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Except <laughs> they're delicious, and well, yeah. we all kind of like the heat because right. we like a little bit of pain sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, but basically, um, they they How basically. Nice for you. <laughs> They beefed up their, you know, their filtration system, and they were allowed to start working again. So really, the the, the company, mm-hmm. as you know, is kind of in tandem with the town now, and right. they seem to be all working together, mm-hmm. you know, the way that they're supposed to. But it's it goes back to the, uh, you know, even bad publicity is good publicity. Yeah, but so I mean, mm-hmm. you can pretty much find, you know, this specific sriracha hot sauce almost anywhere. Yeah, and that... one of the one of the cool things that I found out about it. Um, Sriracha, although it is their brand name specifically, mm-hmm. it's actually it comes from a town called Sriracha in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So there are other Sriracha hot sauces that right. are very similar uh, mm-hmm. because they come from the same town. Right. So, but you know, this one just happens to be you know uh, David Tran that trademark moved here brand of Sriracha. Yeah, and he made. You know, the same kind of hot sauce that they made in his hometown. And he, instead of using the chilies from there, he used the chilies from here and used jalapenos. And it's the same exact kind of thing with our flavor. And Mm. I think that's great. That is, to me, that's like the American, the American, America, America, right? Yeah, America. America. The the American dream. He came here. That is real. That is not, that is America, not America. This this is America. Exactly. (laughs) That is what it's supposed to be. And I just think that that's wonderful. Yeah. So there was one other thing that I, I came across uh, on the worldwide interwebs mm-hmm. was uh, something called Nally's Sauces. Nally's okay. Sauces, it, it, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, it, it was back in 1903, a 13-year-old Croatian Im- immigrant named Marcus uh, Neranik arrived in New York with 15 cents in his pocket, and basically he, uh, he moved out to Milwaukee and, uh, you know, eventually, as he grew older, you know, he was a meat packer for a little while. He created this place called Nally's Sauces. Okay. And that's all he made was different kinds of sauces throughout, like, the 1920s. Mm. Um, but the whole reason why I figured this out was I kept on seeing this weird ad called Nally's Potato Sauce. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So he created all these sauces, you know, he, you know, very much like we were talking about you know, tomato ketchup used to be mushroom ketchup and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. He basically created like a like a potato ketchup, like an old timey Newman's own. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, wow. so so that's what he was doing. So I kept on coming across. Let, let me just kind of read the ad to you. It's so funny. So it's oh Nally's potato. Isn't that God. great? Oh, it, oh, folks, be glad you cannot see this. It's it is so revolting. retro. So it says, "Now let's begin the party." The original pure potato condiment. Nally's potato sauce. I, I'm going to have to narrate this whole thing, Joe. The fun will will be starting when you serve up a sizzling sizzling steaks smothered in Nally's potato sauce. It just looks like blended from the finest so Idaho potatoes, spring like- water, and just a pinch of spice. Na- <laughs> so it's like potato gravy. Yeah, Nally's potato sauce brings a nearly indescribable earthy meatiness. Uh, uh, to any dish, uh, use in place of ketchup, cheese, or lard to add any new <laughs> twist to your meals, salads, and vegetables. 
available in nine wild flavors your family will love. And I love their... It looks like really loose mashed potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, exactly. Right? It looks like mashed potatoes that you turned into gravy. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, but what I, what I love is their, their kind of like tagline. It's Nally's. Nally's is adequate. <laughs> it just, it's, it's not adequate. Not exceptional, not like excellent. No, Nally's is adequate. Again, with a crawl reference. Adequate, adequate. <laughs> it's merely adequate. So anyway, I just really love that, and I had to look them up. So basically, uh, you know, I found like a, an article where someone was complaining that they were bought by Pinnacle Foods, which is a, like, they're a subsidiary of Hillshire Farms, and Nally's was like, you know, their own company, and they're starting to be bought up by other companies and, that's and things what like happens. that. And, like anytime. Yeah, so, you know, and, and, you know, so basically a lot of the time now what they, they really don't, do the sauces very much anymore. They make potato, potato chips very much like Utz, mm. you know what I mean, or, or, or Hers or any of those companies around mm. here. Uh, you know, Nally's makes potato chips out there, and I'd like to give them a try. So if anybody has Nally's potato chips, please <laughs> email us. I'll give you an address, and you can send it to us, and we'll try them, and we'll put out a, a, a special bonus podcast. I was going to say, just do a potato chip some. podcast. Yeah, Heck absolutely. Yeah. Or check your grandmother's basement. She might still have Some Nally's bottle. potato sauce. <laughs> yeah. If you have actual <laughs> Nally's potato sauce from, like, 19 aught something, <laughs> oh, I God. will give it a try. I will eat it. I will give it a try. <laughs> Yes, It'll and be like, I will I'll, have nine one one. And right, I, right. I will wash it down with a botulism <laughs> or water, Joe. Oh dear. This is Diane. And this is Denise. Of the History Ghost Bump podcast. And when we aren't regaling people with our tales of haunted historic places, we are satisfying our curious appetites with the Curioso podcast. When you have ketchup, you have mustard on your burger. Mm -hmm. You often have relish. Oh, yeah. this is true. Yeah. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, I... Growing up in the country, my mom made pickles. You know, there was always this stretch of a few days in summer when um, they're, they're, the house would be full of steam and everything reeked of dill. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. <laughs> Which was, you know, I mean, I grew up with homemade pickles. And um, do you consider well, a pickle a, a condiment? I or think, when you just, when you chop it up finely as a relish? Yeah, I. I, I've read something once that, um, I mean, and the, the pickles kind of violate the whole thing of, you know, they actually do, I think, have some nutritional content to them. They, a little. Yeah, a little. But um, the, uh, I read once that they were served mostly with sandwiches as a palate freshener. Mm, like ginger in, yeah. in Eastern cultures. Yeah. But um, that's also pickle, yeah. Joe. It's pickled ginger. Well, yeah. you don't have to pickle it. But, yeah. Which kind of do. And yeah, pickling is one of our great, you know, ancient processes. I yeah. mean, vinegar preserves stuff. Salt preserves and things, put those together. Yeah, it's even boom. better. Um, I mean, corned beef is basically pickled beef. Mm -hmm. Pastrami is beef that's been pickled then smoked. Right. But um, and my mom loves to talk about it. And I have a, a 
a jar here of chow chow, which is a kind of relish or pickle. We were just talking about this earlier. Uh, in the Indian culture, they pickle a lot of things. Oh, yeah. You can find pickled limes, mm-hmm. uh, just random bits of yeah. vegetables. Oh, pickled, pickled limes. That was, what was, what was that in? Uh, it was in one book. I can't remember what it is. Like Little House on the Prairie, where the little girl got in trouble for, like, keeping a pickled lime, like, in her maw. Oh, yeah. Like, like oh, you yeah. would, like, chewing tobacco. <laughs> nice, Or whatever. Nice. Like, in class, she got in trouble for it or something like that. I think I remember, yeah, I think I remember that. Um... But I mean, pickle, they pickled everything back in the day. Mm. I mean, my, my this old cookbook I have here, the Mennonite Community Cookbook by Mary and Michelle Walter. It's still in print. Um, they have you know, pickled plums, pickled cherries, pickled this, pickled that. Um, I mean, we think pickles, we think cucumbers, right? And really, they pickled anything they could get their hands pickled on. Well, eggs, it, was, it was a preservative. Pickled like, pigs' yeah. feet, pickled to beets. get you through the winter, the yeah. summertime. You, that was what you relied on for your stores throughout yeah. any hard times was anything you can yeah. pickle. And um, chow chow, which is this, it's uh, basically um, just a whole bunch of different vegetables brought together and pickled. Is it um, like that, uh, what's that, giardia? Or Gardenia. Gardenia. I, Giardina, perhaps? Giardina. Yeah, yeah. it's like um, a, a random I think that's vegetable. just whatever you have in your garden you and kind of chop up. Yeah, my mom tells me that her mother farm wife um at the toward the end of the growing season would just take whatever vegetables were left over in the garden chop them up and pickle them mm-hmm. and then that a dish of that was always on the table over the winter as a relish as a condiment for the food yeah and, or, i mean you just it's really good on a salad you just yeah. you know and if yeah. you have that's a, that's a, you know you throw a little bit on a salad well, you like, know any kind of like green beans pickled are are excellent yeah oh. i mean we're talking like if anybody gets pizza nowadays mm-hmm. most pizza joints will give you your pepperoni pepperoncinis yeah, yeah. Yep. which this is like the the exploded mm, version of that yeah you know? i've got pickle juice on here oh well oh there's actually beans in this yeah, in this really? in chow chow too there's carrots beans pickles d- several different kinds of beans there's green beans and wax beans and I had some uh, pickled okra one time, really, and it was really very good. It took all the sliminess out. Oh yeah, the, which the is slimy. The bad part of the okra, well, for some people. I've had pickled yeah. Brussels sprouts before. Really, I gotta mm-hmm. imagine that probably does something to it to to make it a little bit better. Mm. Remove the slimy. So it mean? actually has actual pickles in here too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I want to make sure I get one of these beans. <laughs> Joe, I'm just going to toss yeah, it over to dump, you. dump some of that in. Just dump some. Oh, it's going to be bad. Just dump some. It's, it's really juicy. Pickles. <laughs> but, yeah, and chow chow is like one of those great things because it was just whatever, whatever they had available, they used, and you just got a big mix of it's everything. It's like a gherkin in here or something? Yeah. What is that? And um, another popular relish. That's awesome. And I, I'm not like a big sweet pickle fan. Yeah, this is a little bit sweeter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit sweet, but it's not hor- horribly sweet. It's not, get. but I kind of like it with because it's not just the pick the pickles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you have your different flavors, so it it kind of not that it brings the sweetness down, but it it tempers it. it. Yeah, it tempers yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Another popular relish is pickle lily, which you used to be able to find commercially, and I haven't seen around for quite a while. And that's interest. That was interesting because I was looking that up. Because apparently there's a difference between the pickle lily they have in the U.S. and the pickle lily they have in England. Hmm. That's Piccadilly. No. 
No, I'm dead. Now, <laughs> uh, apparently, they're, um, in the U.S., piccalilli is made largely with peppers. Okay. And in England, it's made. Uh, it's a mixture of squash and cauliflower. Oh, that's radically different. Yeah. But in both cases, it's all in a mustard sauce. Hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a yellow mustard base. Okay. So I guess, you know, they, whatever works, you know, mm-hmm. whatever preferences they have. But, and then this is something that, I mean, reading some old cookbooks and stuff like that, because you know, I love old cookbooks, they're fascinating. I mean, it used to be that you had pickles and relishes and stuff on the table all the time. Throughout the entire year, no matter Throughout what Throughout the meal. entire year, whatever you were eating. And this is something that we really don't do anymore. Well, it's like German culture, you have the same thing. Tons yeah. of pickled things just yeah. somewhere on the table. Asian cultures... Tons of pickled things mm-hmm. on the table all the time. Indian. Yep. Yep. Any culture besides ours, there's always some kind of pickled thing. Well, now we just have, you know, pickled cucumbers, or as we call them, pickles, mm-hmm. on the table or relish, you know, for hot dogs and hamburgers. But that's that's what we primarily use them yeah. for. Yeah. But, I mean, it. people used to do it with, like, your leftovers. You know, mm-hmm. you, you spread relish all over your leftovers. And, I mean, I just, like, one day, not too long ago, I had a leftover pork roast in the fridge. So I'm slicing it up, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do with this? You know, could I heat it up, make a sandwich, whatever? I thought, I have some relish. Let's, like, smear some relish on the slices and eat them like that. Oh, my God, it was good. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, this is, like, they do in the old days. It's something they talk about in the old cookbooks and all that that we don't do anymore. And it's like, this is something we need to bring back. Oh, yeah. No, Definitely. (laughs) It's it's kind of like when I think about. Have you guys ever watched the the Adam Richman show, Man vs. Food, where he, you know, goes to different places well, and he eats occasionally, yeah, giant amounts of stuff, and he t- he it does the eating challenges mm-hmm. around the country. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that um, he always seems to do is, you know, he'll get halfway through something and he'll be like, "Oh, good lord, I can't eat anymore. I'm so full," and then he'll be like, "Okay." Bring me some ketchup or some sauce or some so- something mm-hmm. to add flavor to it because it's not just about putting mass quantities in your stomach. Sometimes you just can't get past the flavor. Like, you know, like uh, you know, you enjoy, uh, you know, say you like egg salad, right? <clears throat> not, you know, some people do. Right. Say you like egg salad. Some sick bastards you know? do. Yeah. So you might enjoy the egg salad one day, and the second day you might not like egg salad as much. Right. But maybe if you mixed a little bit of sriracha on it, you know, spiced it up a little bit, threw some pickles on it, you know, change you know, the, the, the flavor a little yes. bit. You know, you could probably consume that. You know what I mean? Right. right. And uh, one old cookbook, there's a story about um, a strict father who told the kids you cannot leave the table until you eat everything on your plate. That was my dad. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, the kid's sitting there looking at this, the, the gob of fat meat that's yep. left over, and he's just like, oh, my God. And it's like, you can't leave the table to eat. And Mom would just hand him over the tray of relish <laughs> or, or, or you know, some homemade relish, some homemade mm-hmm. ketchup or something like that, and that would be like, okay, slather it on and get it down. <laughs> get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But no, I mean, I found like, you know, eating, using a relish on your cold leftover meat and stuff like that, mm-hmm. fabulous. And just, I mean, just as it is, you know, just take a slice of cold pork and smear some relish on it and you don't need a sandwich or anything else, you know, and that's fabulous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I don't We're know. We're down to the wire. <laughs> We're down to the wire. So, uh, basically, what we have here in front of us 
is a jar of Marmite. Bum, bum, bum. Now, I don't know. I've never actually tried Marmite before. I've it's had Vegemite. It's made with Marmots. I, it's not made with Marmots. <laughs> Uh, I've had uh, Vegemite before, which is very similar, but apparently they add like some caramel to it, mm -hmm. and it's a little bit sweeter. I've never and actually grosser. had Marmite. Uh, a lot of the time, uh, now Marmite is from England, mm -hmm. Vegemite is from Australia. Right. Um, they're very much the same thing, but they basically have almost the same kind of story where someone opened up shop right next door to a brewery. Uh, Marmite is opened up right next door to the bass uh, ale. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they take the brewer's yeast from the mm -hmm. ale, they process it, and they turn it into a spread. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, basically, what people do not. is they eat Marmite on toast <laughs> or Vegemite on toast. Yes. Where they spread it very thinly on some toast, a lot of the time with some melted butter, mm -hmm. you know, or some butter heated up on toast, just like we would have, you know, toast for breakfast with eggs, but they would spread Marmite on it instead of jam. And it says spread thinly in the jar. <laughs> now, that's the thing is that it doesn't have to just be spread thinly. Apparently, it's supposed to be spread thinly. Thin extremely thinly. So can it's, we just like breathe out. the jar onto the bread? Well, let's yeah. Get, get, it's gonna right, be Mike, pungent. Mike's taking a whiff. What do you what do you think? It's gonna be very yeasty. Very it's very yeasty. Funky. It, it smells like <laughs> I, I'm trying. It smells like something from my high school biology class. We were doing <laughs> experiments with um you know. Bacteria, bacteria, yeah, and, you know, petri dishes, petri dishes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: is that it's. I mean, it is made from yeast. Yeah. So I. Okay. So I guess apparently you're supposed to get just a dab. It is. Yes. It's a little dab will do you. I don't even know what to say. What it looks like. It, uh, it looks, looks like. I don't know. It's it, very dark brown. Visually, it, it looks like almost like molasses. Yeah. Yeah. So it's dark brown. Uh, it's supposed to have a lot of umami flavors to it. That's a lot of vitamin B, B vitamins, it yeah, says. Yeah, it does. It has, like, tons of riboflavin, B vitamins. So that's one of the reasons why a lot of people started eating it. Uh, you know, also, it's supposed to be kind of almost like a meat substitute because yeast has so much, you know, of the umame. It has, you know, a lot of the B vitamins. So it's like meat jelly? Yeah, but it's yeast jelly is really <laughs> yeah. more accurate. Yeast jelly. So jelly. we all have it spread... Oh, we all gonna try it? All right. That's a one, two, three down the hatch. All right, here we go. <laughs> Let's go. One, two, three. Okay, that's better than Vegemite. That is way better than Vegemite. That's like putting a whole bouillon cube in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, it's that's very much is. like bouillon. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very, it's very salty. Mm-hmm. It's very salty. No, that's fine. But it has a, yeah, it has that umami, that meatiness. Mm-hmm. It's actually not bad. No. Well, when you spread it kind of thinly like that, I don't, I don't think it's, it's, it's not that awful. I'm gonna go for a second one. You know why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a. You're a rebel, Dottie. I am. Well, this is like you know, <laughs> he's a vegetarian. This is how he gets meaty. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think it's bad at all. Mm -mm. No, it's actually like you know, I hear horrible things about marmite, and I'm like. Oh boy, here we go. And I'm like, well, I oh, think the key is, like they say in the in the ad here, is to spread it extremely thin, and that's how. Well, you don't want to put a big, huge glob. You yeah. want just, and it doesn't come. I mean, what is this? A four ounce package? It's tiny. Yeah, I mean, this will probably last you, but there's a year. It's super salty. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's I mean, why you spread it thinly. You, don't, you s- don't lick, you know, like Mike was saying, you don't eat salt. You don't just yeah. pile it in your mouth. And you use it sparingly. It makes me think of the mushroom ketchup in that this is something that would be good for, like, if you're making soup and your your soup isn't flavorful enough, like, put in a little spoonful of Marmite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's what I do with, uh, with oyster sauce. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Asian condiments. Um, anytime I do, like, uh, ramen or something like that, mm-hmm. udon, you, the oyster sauce is so thick and viscous and very salty, very much mm-hmm. like this. I'll just take a spoonful of that, and boom, and it's, it acts as, like, a bouillon. Mm-hmm. You know, it adds that umami, yeah. oystery, Makes it boisterous. Meaty. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I want to get some of this and keep it on hand. <laughs> right, just, just in case. Yeah. yeah. I think if you put a dab of this in some mayonnaise, mm-hmm. Joe, what do you think? With what? You know, just a little bit in some mayonnaise. No. No, not, <laughs> not in mayo. No, no, no. You don't want to mix your condiments? <laughs> Are you putting Marmite on a hot dog? He, he's, he's putting Marmite on a cocktail weenie. Oh, my goodness. A wiener. Oh, that's such a big chunk. Such a big chunk. And so my mustard. So, oh my goodness, this will be interesting. It's like a little tiny uh, sports wiener. <laughs> what do they call those? <laughs> I don't know what a sports wiener a is. Sports wiener? <laughs> you know, the, at, at the at, big stadium things. Yeah, a sports wiener? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to call it from now on. I it's got a your sports, sports wiener. wiener right here, Billy. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? When you go to the game things. The game thing, like a play sports ball ball game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, sport ball, hockey ball. You know, all those ball games. I at least know that. Whatever. Jesus Christ. But yeah, it's like one of those things where you have the the mustard and the marmite and the mustard and marmite on your ketchup and and the (laughs) mushroom mushroom ketchup ketchup on your. You're gonna have so much. You're gonna have an umami explosion. (laughs) Go ahead, put it in your face. Let's see what happens. Mm. Too much umami? No. Just the right amount of umami? It's super salty. Yeah, that would be. From the Vegemite. Well, that's the whole thing is like all these condiments have like a lot of. Because they're flavor enhancers. Yeah. Salt, you add that to chocolate. All those wonderful little nuanced flavors in chocolate will Mm. pop with the salt. And the salted caramels, which is so popular these days. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got to have salted caramels. But salt really does help kind of pull out yeah. moistures and flavors in lots of foods. And all of these things we're having now have tons of sodium, or tons of salt, and vinegar. And don't so, tell my doctor. But. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I'm not on a low-sodium diet yet, and actually I've lost weight, so that's good. Oh. But um, Pickles. Pickles? Oh, yeah, pickles are yeah, salty. for a year, that was like lunchtime for me. It was just pickles. Oh, I yeah, I've been eating like pickles like crazy. Pickles and mustard because, hey, no calories. Exactly. <laughs> Lots of flavor, no calories. All right. Well, I can say that we have definitely not covered every single condiment oh, there's so uh, on much the earth. out there. I mean, I, I've read something about how the Chinese will take salt and pepper and roast them together. Wow. Oh, and like put a- them in a pan and roast it together. Hmm. And use that for flavoring, you know. And I have to think, like, kind of like a smoked salt almost, yeah. but you would have pepper in there. there too. Yeah, I mean, maybe put some like lapsang souchong in there with it that's really mm-hmm. smoky and all yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, just talking salts, there's dozens and dozens oh of my different God. kinds the, of salts. Gourmet salts are just, they took, I'm, there was like for a while, you go into Whole Foods, you know, like you do. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> once or twice I go into local Whole Foods where I used to live, and 
the salt aisle would be like all these different gourmet salts. Yeah. From yeah, the, all different kinds of you know, black salt, gray salt, but pink salt, Himalayan, the Himalayan, Himalayan pink sea salt. salt yeah. You know, I, I would get the French sea salt because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, hey, I'm, according to some people, my father's side of the family is very French. You know, right, and right. so it's just I've like, got uh, a little tiny, tiny tub of truffle salt. Oh God! Oh, word. And it's that stuff so good. It was so expensive, but it was a, it's amazing salt. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it is really. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You and brought that to the wine and cheese party. You put mm-hmm. out a Joe put out a salt plate. Uh, we had a wine and cheese party around uh, around Christmas time, and uh, I think I got gout from that from all the, <laughs> yeah. from all the cheese from all the all the weird cheeses. But just, and just talking the myriad of salts, yeah. the the huge giant plethora of condiments out in the world. Oh, yeah. it's, it's amazing. It's yeah, ever expanding. And you know, you go down your your. Grocery aisle and in the Asian food section, there's all these different sauces. Uh huh. Peanut know. sauce to the uh, sauce. oyster sauce. Oh, fish there's sauce. A, there's a company called Soyve mm-hmm. that makes um, oh, so chi- good. It's Chinese yeah. sauces that are are kosher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wonderful, and they have a um, sesame oil dressing. That oh, nice. I mix with um, some rice vinegar and you use as a dipping sauce when they make. Chinese dumplings at home. Awesome. Or awesome. I get the frozen ones for the Chinese. Well, the you know that we're market. all about dumplings. We're all about oh, dumplings. Yeah. 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 One of my favorite uh, is uh, rice wine vinegar and sugar hmm. with cucumbers. It's so simple. You heat it, let it reduce a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a super poppy, bright rice wine vinegar flavor with a little bit of sweet. And you can add a little bit of like, you know, mayflower or, or chilies or something mm-hmm. to it. So good. And there's so much fun stuff you can do. And, I mean, I say this to everybody. Get out there. Experiment. Mm-hmm. People, we're making our own ketchups here, for God's sake. I mean, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Mix together your mustards. Get some Marmite, you know. Right, right. Have relish on the table at every freaking meal. <laughs> Even if you're serving spaghetti, put relish on the table. You never know what's going to happen. It'd be awesome. <laughs> you know, just it's, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. And we we're so locked into you do certain things with certain other things. Let's Ketchup, let's, mustard, mayonnaise. Screw that. No. Go out there and, for heaven's sake, especially with mayonnaise, make it yourself, mm-hmm. and yep. you will notice a world of difference. And you can go crazy customizing it and making it your own. Well, they're a good base. Yeah, but that's all that they are. Right. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? Like get out of your flavor zone. You flavor know? zone. Right. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's all I'm saying. Well, I I just want to thank you, Mike, so much for coming along. <laughs> oh, thank I you. I really sir. appreciate it. Thank oh, you for having me. It's always a pleasure to hang out. Oh, absolutely. Hey, I'm sorry we didn't have me. any absinthe this time. I'll go home and have some. <laughs> 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 but nice. we did have a couple of beers and some really amazing. Oh, condiments. this was this was mm-hmm. so much fun. Yeah. So. All right, Curiosos, thank you so much for uh, sticking with us and hanging out with us, and um, go go make something to eat. Yeah, go get some condiments. Go get some <laughs> condiments and have some fun. Thank you for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can also check out our videos, youtube.com backslash Curioso Podcast. You can call our voicemail line, leave us a message, 443-327-9673. On your touchtone phone, that spells Hydasword. On the Curioso.com website, on the left-hand side, you can help support the show by clicking on our Amazon link. And if you're a real Curioso, we need you to 
go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. If you'd like to check out some of our sister podcasts, check out thundergrunt.com. Dang on it, I'm trying to find out about the mustard sommelier.